Hello, and welcome to Survivor Social, the Survivor podcast where we discuss Survivor with an emphasis on the social elements of the game. This week, it's just the OGs. It's me and Tegwith. Tegwith, how are you doing? I am so good. I'm so excited to talk about this episode with you. Uh, I thought one of the best episodes of the season so far, um, so I just can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I can't either. This was a classic, it felt like classic Survivor, and I think that's what a lot of fans have been craving for a really long time. So thank you, the cast of 44. Thank you, the Survivor producers for providing this. We have feasted and we hope to continue to feast in the future. But before we start feasting some more, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and Spotify. And if you have any hot takes of your own that you would like to be heard here on the podcast, send us a message at SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com and we will read them right here. Speaking of which, we have a question this week from Anna, and she asks us, what is the most overrated and most underrated season of Survivor? Oh, what a a great question. Oh, man. I always will say the most underrated is Guatemala. I think Guatemala uh, is so good. The cast is really good. I think the winner is great. Great gameplay. First uh, hidden immunity idol that we see. So like, you know, I, I love Survivor Guatemala. Um, overrated is going to be a hard one for me because I love so many of them. Like my favorite is Heroes versus Villains, which I think a lot of people will say is probably overrated, but I love it. So I don't think it's overrated. Um, I, I had to think about that one. What, what, what are you thinking, David? I would have to agree with Guatemala. I think such a unique location, such an interesting, fun cast. There's just so many aspects of it that I love that don't get appreciated enough. So many players that are like forgotten with time, like Gary Hogaboom, hilarious. Rafe Judkins, iconic. So yeah, definitely agree with Guatemala. I would also probably say on the opposite end of the spectrum, this might be very unpopular, but I'm going to go with Winners at War. Oh, I was literally before you said that, I was like, I would probably have to go with Winners at War. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. Yeah, Why? Why? I mean, it's got obviously a great cast, but there are people that I think that could have been there. And I feel like it was just so new school dominated that we didn't get to see some of our classic people really shine besides on the edge. And no one really shines on the edge, except for maybe Reem, but no one else really shines on the edge. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually was shocked when I saw somebody do a ranking of their seasons and they had season 40 like really high up. And I I didn't I didn't dislike 40, let me say, but it, it wasn't like as wow as I thought it was going to be. The gameplay was fine. It was good. Tony was great. I thought Michelle was great. You know, like there are good players that were in the season. Obviously, they were all winners. But, you know, the people that I knew weren't going to do well that I loved in past seasons, for example, Kim, like there was no way Kim was going to be able to do that again. You know what I mean? Because she dominated so largely. That's not a word. But you know what I mean? Like it was like such a big dominating se- or season for her and her original win. So we're not going to see that again. And then I didn't love like, like Winners at War is not the time to experiment with like tokens or whatever. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was a weird to add in on a season where the cast was going to be so amazing or is so yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, so I totally agree with you. Wow. Same thought. Spot right? on. Same yeah. wavelength. Yeah, I agree. Not the time to invent an entire Survivor currency and try and like add that to the game. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yep. But you know what I am loving this episode of Survivor 44? I think we should just dig right into it. So episode eight, so much 
has happened. You know, Matt has just gone. Franny is is in tears. My heart goes out to her. We do get some cute moments with them later, so it does make me feel a little better. But we come back from Tribal and Jam Jam feels like the cat with nine lives. And I'm glad that this episode, he wasn't as much in the crossfire. And it seems like, at least for now, the craziness with Jam Jam being the target is in the past. So how do you feel about Jam Jam's upswing? Do you think he's on an upswing or do you think it's just temporary? on an upswing. I definitely think so because I think I think he's a good like I, I've thought this from the beginning. I think he's a great player. And so um and I, you know, he's the only one that's gonna be able to go up to somebody and be like, yeah, unless you're lying to my face. You know what I mean? Uh and I think that's what makes him such a great character on the screen. Um and I loved I just I love Jam Jam and I do think that you know, I, I, I say this a lot. When you go into the merge, I think you don't want to go into the merge with numbers. Nine times out of 10, uh, the big, big tribes are going to target each other. And then the people who are small, the smaller group are going to be able to hide because the two big people are fighting and then the people who can, the people can hide. And so um, I, I was like, if Jam Jam, <clears throat> pardon me, if Jam Jam can like just duck and weave, I think he'll be positioned really well just like Carson and just like um, Carolyn to be mm-hmm. at the center of it all making decisions. Um, and so we saw that today or yes, two days ago. Uh, and I think that he really is on an upswing. Yeah, I think so too. I think him and Tika, like you said, are very much in the middle and that puts them in a great position. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I really liked the fact that Jam Jam was talking about, we could just bounce between Soka and Ratu and voting each time, sort of reminiscent of, of Survivor Amazon and Rob Sesternino. I love that kind of gameplay because it's dynamic and it's not just a typical pagonging where, yeah, the people just get knocked out back to back to back to back. So I think that would be fresh. And if if they decide to vote with the opposite group that they voted with this past episode, I would be very pleased to see that. Mm, yeah, I think that would be really awesome. Yeah, I thought this this whole, like, you know... I. I I think they're just really, posi- really w- well positioned. And, and I think that they have the ability to decide what is best for the three of them. And, and if that's voting with uh, Ratu, if that's voting with Soka, whatever it means, uh, they will be able to figure that out as the game goes along and they're not stuck in one thing. That's kind of what I'm thinking and not being mm-hmm. stuck with the group, not being stuck with the majority, I think is a great position to be in. Yeah, having options is incredibly important. And I think to touch on something Jam Jams also says, he also talks about the fact that those three are underestimated, which I think is so true. I think Jam Jam, people know that he's smart and they know that he is smarter than he comes off as because he comes off as very fun and jovial and whatever. But him and Carolyn especially, I think, are very underestimated as a whole. Carson, maybe not so much, but maybe because he's super young and green. But I think as a whole, the three of them are definitely underestimated. And that makes them a really good swing group in the middle. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to see what they do in the future. But Jam Jam ends up talking to Heidi and Heidi says, you know, I wasn't really targeting you and that she knew that Matt was going to be the target and be the one that got ousted. And she didn't want to just rock the boat. As much as I understand where she's coming from, personally, and I want to hear how you think, what you think about this, but I don't think that I would be able to just automatically say, okay, we're fine now. 
you know what, you just forced someone to vote for me. And you're telling me that you you didn't want something bad to happen to me, but your vote says otherwise, but it's okay. We'll, we'll just work together now. How do you feel? Yeah, I think, well, let me just say before I go into that, I was really worried about Heidi for this episode. I do a couple of different um, uh, survivor fantasy leagues and I put like six or seven votes on Heidi to go home uh, because I thought that there was going to be some kind of big ramification of, you know, her doing that. And so I literally was like super nervous for her today. I'm very happy she's still in the game, but you know, I just was very, very nervous. I do think that she did. I didn't, when, when she did, when she played this, I didn't actually even think about it this way and how she explained it. And I kind of think that she explained it the best she could. You know, I think she probably, that's probably what she was thinking. Like she didn't want to make, you know, her people upset and Jam Jam was not one of her people. And so neither was Carolyn really. And so she was like my people that I've been with for this whole time. I get that from Jam Jam's perspective. I'm petty. Like Jam Jam is a much bigger person than I am because I would have probably been really, really mad. Like, and I, I, I not very good at hiding my emotions. And so they probably would have seen how mad I was, but he took it so well. Um, which is like, a sign of a great survivor player just being like, yeah, whatever, we'll make it to the next one. Um, but I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't have taken it like that. I would have, it, it seemed like a very pointed, like, this is a problem. Like, this is you. I'm going after you uh, mm -hmm. rather than just like stealing somebody's vote where you can just kind of like hide it. It was like, you have to vote for this person, which could have even put a bigger target on his back. So I was, uh, very impressed with Jam Jam, let me just say. Uh, me too. And I think that, especially after being a target, like, twice in a row, essentially, I think that I would have been very, very nervous if I were him. So I think the fact that he handled it as well as he did, props to him. Major props to him. So yeah. that was night 14. We get to day 15, and Carson is sick. And I feel for him because... The conditions are out there are obviously brutal, but my question is that had no implications for the rest of the episode. We'll get into it with the challenge, but Carson and Carolyn, because they have to run the challenge in pairs, Carson and Carolyn are together, but they don't make it past the first stage. It's not like mm -hmm. he overcomes anything or I personally didn't understand why they included that information because it did not seem pertinent for the rest of the episode. Is it just because I, they want us to feel tied to Carson more? See, I think that's interesting. I think they want us to feel tied to Carolyn more. Because mm. I think it's more about the Carolyn was willing to pair with Carson when no one else was kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it, it's more of a, we want, they want us to feel more tied to that Carolyn will do this for somebody else. She's a really good person. And sometimes her relate, her social game, her relationships in the game are more important than actually winning immunity to her. So that's personally what I, why I think they left that in. Um, and, and less for, you know, cause they, they had to pick pairs and that definitely went into it. Nobody wanted to be with Carson. Um, also, the fact that they didn't make it through is we don't even know if it's Carson's fault. You know what I mean? Like we saw Carolyn struggling with that net, which is like me. That would absolutely be me. Um, and so honestly, what we see is Carolyn is the one that the reason why they didn't go to the next 
uh, next stage. So that's personally why I think they left all of that in. Um, but I also really felt for, for Carson. Cause like, gosh, that probably happens often on survivor, but like, it's really not, not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No one likes getting sick, especially when it's being taped and going to be shown internationally. And there's also no end in sight. You don't know when you're going to feel better. And then it affects your sleep and then it gets to you psychologically. So I definitely feel for Carson. And you're right. I didn't see it through that lens of it being a way to highlight Carolyn's social strength and the fact that she's willing to put herself out there for Carson. That's very true. And I think you're right. That did highlight Carolyn in a really good way. And so we get tree mail and it says today there's only one immunity necklace but you will be running the challenge in five pairs of two and you have to divide yourself. So as we already stated, one of the pairs is Carolyn and Carson. Carolyn automatically just says, I'll be with Carson. And it's very giving of her knowing pretty well that there's a good chance that they're just not going to excel if Carson is going to be participating in the challenge, but he doesn't even get to. So it's not even his fault. Um, But the remaining pairs are David. Danny and Lauren, which is interesting because those two are at odds. And I'm going to flash forward a little bit to Tribal, but Carolyn is the one who openly says like, yeah, this game changes so quickly. Danny and Lauren were at odds and now they had to work together in a challenge. And I love that she mentioned that because that sort of cements that narrative to be accepted by everyone. Because if you say it at Tribal, no one argues with you. Jeff agrees then that's sort of what the narrative is going to be perceived as going forward. So it's really smart for Carolyn to sow those seeds. And I don't even know if she was doing it intentionally. I bet she was because she is just that smart. But I just like those little those little Carolyn yeah. tidbits we get every now and again. Love Carolyn. Yeah, she does. I love when she does things like that because exactly, exactly right. She's so observant and so good at all these things, which is so funny because in the edit, I actually didn't realize that Danny going after Lauren was widely known information. And so when she said that at tribal, I went, Oh, okay. So everyone knows this, or at least they do now. Um, So I honestly didn't think that Lauren and Danny were like, they knew, I knew that Danny was going after Lauren, but I didn't realize that Lauren knew that Danny was going after her or maybe Lauren was also going for Danny. I don't know. Um, So that's, I love when you can kind of peek behind the edit and and it's like things like that, where you can kind of like see, Oh, maybe actually everyone knew that. And it wasn't as secret as I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, very masterful by Carolyn. And I think she is once again, proving that she's not just this kooky person who's just entertaining us. She's also got a lot of substance and depth and knowledge that she's putting into work. So props to her. But on to the rest of these pairs. We've got Franny and Jam Jam. We've got Brandon and Kane. And last, we got Jamie and Heidi. And so this challenge is in three parts, which, you know, I do give production credit because typically this challenge would just be the third stage that they've done in Token Sheens and Heroes versus Villains, where you step on these slivers of wood as they get increasingly thinner and you have to prop yourself up between these two walls at the same time. Very Mm -hmm. painful. But the fact that there were two stages before this, this they're definitely putting them through the ringer. Um, So much so in the first, in the first part of the challenge that Carolyn is screeching and screaming. And I just love that. But anyway, the first stage is you have to go through this sort of rope or net apparatus and you have to sort of, as Danny says, do a gator roll to try and get out of it. (laughs) How do you think you would fare in something like this? Would you just like freeze up and... 
I wouldn't, I, I couldn't, there's no way. I mean, I would obviously do it, but I couldn't. It looks like a nightmare. It looks like torture. It is not the vibe. I don't, I don't like this net thing because you are, I mean, you're, you're covering yourself in mud. You're stuck in a confined place. You can't really see which way you need to turn. It just seems like an environment, a perfect environment for stress. And, uh, I have never liked this net challenge because I think it is, seems like the, my, my, my worst case scenario survivor challenge. What about you? Would, would you, would you do well for this? I think I would be a little bit better than, than some of the people with longer hair because I think Carolyn's was tied back. But my first thought was, oh my God, Carolyn could get her hair caught in this net and like rip it out as she's trying to do a gator roll. And that just freaked me out. But mm-hmm. I think that it's one of those things, this is a deep cut reference, but in Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, one of the like tricks or something or barriers to get to the Sorcerer's Stone was this thing called Devil Devil's Snare. And you were like stuck in it. And like the more you moved, the more it like skit, like it freaked you out and it restricted you. But at one point you would just have to accept it and like be calm. And then once you were calm and didn't fight it, then you would excel. And I sort of think this could sort of be like that, where the more you like calm down and think rationally instead of just flailing as it restricts you, the better that you would, you would be. That yeah. I think I would freak the heck out and just like. <laughs> yeah, I think what I would have to do, I think that I'd have to do a couple of Danny breaths before I went in to calm myself down and then just take it more of a tortoise versus hare kind of situation. Do it slowly so that I don't get lost in the net uh, and just be like, you know what? I would rather get out of it and then then more, more tangle myself up. So I would just kind of do it more slowly, um, which probably wouldn't be great for my partner. But like, I think that that's the way to get out without having to lose your spot. Because that's the thing. I think you have to remember which way you're turning. It's almost like curling your hair. When, when I curl my hair, I have to remember which way to do it. And then there is a time like halfway through my head that I forget which way I'm curling it. And it just looks weird. And which is why I don't curl my hair. Uh, so you, you just have to like figure it out. So if you take it slowly, I feel like that would be the best way to do it. That's the way that I would do it, which means we'd probably lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think either of us are going to excel at this. And I also no. didn't know that curling your hair was also, you know, a test of memory. So I'm sure if I ever had to do that, I'd be horrible at it as well. So yeah, I'm not good. I'm at sure it. that'll curling hair will be a challenge on season four. <laughs> right now, <laughs> so we we get to the second part of this challenge and. Carolyn and Carson do not make it through the first round. And the second part is there's a cargo net and then you have to use these planks that you retrieved from the first stage and cross this rope bridge. We've seen this many, many times. I think this is a very cool challenge because you have to be fast, but you also Mm -hmm. have to have balance. So it requires a lot of different things at one time. And the two pairs that do move on from this, because there are four pairs left, the two pairs that do move on are Danny and Lauren and Kane and Brandon. And so they make it to the last stage, the one that we mentioned before, where you're standing between these two walls and you've got to balance on these really tiny slivers. That just looks like, I don't even know, a new type of torture? Maybe? Yeah, it does. It's like a medieval torture chamber. Yeah. Absolutely not feeling it. And I did notice something very funny though in this section. Kane says something to Jeff like, thanks for covering us with mud before we did this. And I feel like 
old school Jeff would have been sassy to that. And instead he was yeah. like, you're welcome. But I yeah. really was waiting for like an old school sassy Jeff quip of like, this is what you signed up for on Survivor. Yeah. I think that you're totally right. I re- I was really waiting for a little bit of a cut right there. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get it. But I thought that was a great observation from Kane. That's exactly what the producers were doing. You know, they don't want challenges to last a really, really, really long time because it's harder for production. It costs more money. It's harder on Jeff. It's, you know, harder on a lot of people. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that's exactly why they did the mud and then this. Like, great call on Kane's part. Absolutely. And then they start dropping. Kane drops first, and then Brandon drops next, and last is Lauren and Danny. And then we get one of my favorite moments of this entire season. Jeff, says Danny. Danny, says Jeff. And then Danny farts. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good because, again, it's like, it's like, as a, as a farter, I'm a farter. I, that's just who I am. Like, it's a thing about me. And so as someone, I just think it's so funny because it's just like, again, you get to see behind the curtain of Survivor. Like, and the funniest part about this whole thing is I actually haven't posted this TikTok yet, but I'm going to, I'd made it yesterday. 24 hours before the show, Liz, who was on Australian Survivor, was talking with Khan, who was also on Australian Survivor, that on a podcast that he was doing. And um and Liz was talking about her most embarrassing moment when which is when she like pooped her pants or whatever. And they were talking about how there have been times in like long those long challenges where people have like like gone to the bathroom in these like long endurance challenges because they're standing on a pole for 12 hours. So you're going to have to like go to the bathroom. You're gonna have to pee, whatever it is. Um, And so I thought it was so funny that like, I saw this, this reel 24 hours before, and then we see this challenge where Danny farts and it's just like, it's like all working together. It's all making sense. (laughs) I kind of love that. I love, you know what? these things just work out the way they're supposed to. And as someone who eats a lot of cruciferous vegetables um, can very much relate to that struggle. And I also think, yeah, during those challenges, I have the bladder the size of like a small rodent. Like there is no way that I'm able to hold my, my bladder through long car rides. And I always think back to Survivor Micronesia when they're doing the challenge where they have to hold their arm up and Amanda has been in it for a while. And she's like, I just really have to pee and she runs into the woods and I'm like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. I'm sure it helps because they're dehydrated and um, they're not eating a lot, but I definitely think that it would factor into my challenge performance. Absolutely. (laughs) But let me just say with this whole thing with Danny, I, I, I will be completely honest. I was not a huge Danny fan prior to this episode What that, that, that whole thing with Danny and Brandon and Carolyn uh, at the sanctuary really put a sour taste in my, in my mouth just because I do, f- I did feel like they were as much as they liked each other. I just felt like they were actively ignoring Carolyn, which I think is not very good gameplay. And also I just felt like it was a little rude. I'm not going to lie. Um, this whole episode for Danny, for me, he won me over like that. I thought was such an endearing little funny thing where he just like was, it felt like a little eight year old to his sister and his sis. He was like, Hey, Sarah, Sarah. And then Sarah's like, yeah, what? And then he just goes, 
and he just farts. It just seems like such a funny thing that you would do with like a friend or a family member. I don't know. And it just felt so endearing. And I loved it so much. I thought it was so funny. And it really made me like Danny a lot more. And then I liked Danny even more because of the move that he made at the end of the episode. Um, but really, I Danny kind of won me over today. So, so to summarize, if you were to make a suggestion to Danny moving forward, it would be more farts, more idols. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's exactly cool. it. More farts and more idols. Absolutely. Wonderful. All right. You heard us, Danny. <laughs> I, I have to say... <laughs> <laughs> oh, just in general. It doesn't matter who it is. That's fair. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I've been a Danny fan since the beginning. Ever since he did a somersault while he was looking for an idol, I, I was immediately like, I just love his energy. He just doesn't care. He's just going for it full out. And he's also willing to be sneaky. So mm-hmm. I see a lot of comparisons between him and Tony. And I guess there's some archetypal comparisons mm-hmm. that could be made in terms of the fact that they are you know, strong men, they are a little conniving, but I don't know, something about Danny is more, um, less outlandish than Tony, but it's more like a controlled burn, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like Tony has no filter, whereas Danny is a little bit more calculated, and I kind of like that about him. So, you go, more farts, more idols. Exactly, more farts, more idols, name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, totally, so, I totally agree about the whole, I never actually saw that comparison between Tony and Danny, but I totally see it. You know, Tony is uh, a cop. Uh, Danny is a, a firefighter. They're, you know, not the same, but like similar. Very interesting. I like that. That's a very interesting comparison. Yeah, absolutely. And so there we are. End of the challenge. It comes down to the tutor and Lauren and unfortunately he had no gas left in the tank and and Danny is the one who drops and Lauren wins immunity in a beautiful display of emotion afterwards where she says my kids are going to be so proud of me my students are going to be so proud of me I'm so proud of myself and she goes over gives Jeff a hug which I think is so sweet and she doesn't even know what to do with herself she's like do I stand here I'm gonna walk away now and Jeff's like wait no, no 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 like I have to make my little monologue here, okay? Like, stand here. And I just love that because I think, again, it pulls back the curtain a little bit because I feel like on Old School Survivor, they would probably edit all of that out and just be like, we are a well-oiled machine. We don't want them to see. This is just what's happening. But I think with Lauren, it just shows more heart. And it shows these are fans. And I think it's important to see that these are fans. These people do care. They're not just here for the money, which valid reason for being out there if that is your reason but I just appreciate that we see a fan geeking out a little bit yeah I thought that was a really great moment I um I like Lauren a lot I think it it really sucks that she her first confessional was last episode was episode seven was her first time having a confessional which is way too late in the season to have a confessional for the first time um and especially you know I'm just happy that we got to see another confessional from her this episode uh and we also got to see her win and and I felt like it it felt very um it was a very very made my heart happy essentially is like it was a nice win and I was really happy that she she had that necklace around her neck I agree I I also wanted to talk about um one quick question I had a question for you how did you feel about the pairing up in in this challenge 
Um, because while I do like having that kind of like social strategy of like, who do I pair with? Who do I not pair with? Whatever that is. I don't love to see in this point of the game. Um, I don't love, it's not really an individual immunity challenge. Like, yep, you're playing for yourself, but if it had just been each person on their own, maybe Carson would have won. Maybe it wouldn't have been, maybe his stomach wouldn't have been that bad. Maybe we would have seen a Heidi win. Maybe who, whatever it is. Uh, maybe Jam Jam could have won the whole thing. Whoever, whoever it is. Um, I think personally, we don't see reward challenges anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they still happen. Um, but I feel like when you do this, like, pair off into groups choose your choose your team whatever that is i feel like that's a great social thing to have in the game for reward challenges um i don't know how i feel about it for individual challenges what do you think david that's a good point i think it would be frustrating for immunity more than a reward but i do think that at the very least they had control in the sense that they got to pick who they were with it wasn't random. If it was randomly assigned for immunity, then I would take more umbrage with it because of the fact they had no control over it. But they had more control over who they wanted to be paired with. They had more control over who went first in the beginning. So there were definitely aspects in which they controlled what was happening. So I felt a little less bad for Carson, for example, because he had a choice, mm-hmm. you know? Um, whereas if it was randomized, they wouldn't. So... I guess this isn't my favorite format for an immunity challenge. However, I can't say that they, at least they can't say like I had no choice over what happened to me and I could have won immunity if it wasn't for this dice that we rolled or this randomization because Carson can say that he wish he went, but at least I I have a feeling like Carolyn and him talked about it and there was a choice and whatever. So I don't feel as bad. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's just interesting because like they pretty much did this exact same thing last season. They did, they did the, the barrel roll. They did the like moving the things over. And then the only thing different was instead of standing on the pegs is they held it, they Mm -hmm. held it like this. And Uh, Gabler's Gabler's, uh, soliloquy. Yeah, that's the one Gabler won. Um, So I don't know. I just find it very uh, interesting that they've done it twice um like this and I didn't love it the first time and I thought maybe I would like it again the second time and I didn't I didn't love the layout this time too I just wanted to hear your thoughts so cool well yeah there was no Gabler soliloquy this time so I and that I was sad not interested in the end of this challenge I'll be honest <laughs> except for the except for the fart and and Carolyn also just itching herself or scratching herself and screeching and all that good yeah. stuff but So we get back from the challenge. There's all kinds of awkward small talk in the water. And Brandon thinks it's Ratu plus Carson. And they want to take out Franny because she is a physical and strategic threat, which I think she is. But my gut reaction would be, maybe don't take her out. You just took out her counterpart at the last tribal. Do we really need to take her out too? She's weakened right now emotionally and otherwise. And I'm sure that she's not going to be doing her best and she might also want to work with other people. She might be open to new possibilities now that her number one isn't here. So what do you think about the decision to target Franny? That was kind of shocking to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I feel, I felt like it's like you broke up a pair. Why, why did you go 
to the effort of breaking up a pair if you were just going to vote them both out one by one after the other, right? I feel like if you break up a pair, it's because you want to work with somebody and you weren't able to. And so that's why you broke that up. Um, I, I thought that that was a very weird strategy. I mean, she did win the challenge versus Brandon. So there, uh, and I love Brandon, but there could have been an ego thing in there of where like, oh, maybe she's the only person that can actually beat me you know, which isn't true because Lauren also beat him and so did Danny, whatever. But you know what I mean? Maybe there was like an ego thing in there where like, oh, she out outstood me and maybe that's going to be a problem going forward. Um, so I don't know. I think that that it was kind of weird. I don't know who I thought he was going to go for, uh, but I definitely didn't think it was going to be Franny. I, I kind of thought he was going to go for Jam Jam again. Um, I'm happy he didn't, but that's kind of, I was, that's kind of what, where I thought everything was going. It was a bit shocking. I wasn't sure about that choice. I'm Like you said, I'm glad it wasn't Jam Jam, but that was definitely an interesting choice. So then everyone basically, except for Franny, is informed of this plan. And Heidi really wants, you know, everybody to come together for, you know, the underdogs to come together, specifically like Carolyn and Jam Jam and Franny and all of them. And things get sort of messy here because Danny tells Heidi that he's got the idol and he's willing to play it for Franny to blindside Brandon. But then Heidi goes and tells people this information very quickly. And if they had been in an alliance for a while and they had some reliability and had the experience of voting together, I could mm -hmm. understand this a little bit more. But the fact that Jam Jam was the person that you forced a vote on in the previous tribal, and now you're going to approach him with this information. I'm not sure that I would do that because, as Jam Jam tells us, he's considering telling the Ratu members about Danny's idol. So I don't think this is an optimal, optimal move on Heidi's end. What do you think? I totally, I totally agree. It ended up working out, so I'm really happy that you know, it ended up working out the way it did. But if I were Heidi, I would have not, I would have just tr tried to keep my, I would have, I wouldn't have told Jam Jam. I definitely, sh I think she probably thought that her talk with him went over a lot better than maybe it actually did. Like maybe, maybe she was like, maybe that's actually her thought process when she did it. She was like, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers and I didn't want to whatever. And I didn't actually think you were going to go home, which is why I did that. Um, and maybe that was her actual plan. And so because that was the truth that she told him, maybe she was like, oh, he, he must be fine with it, whatever. Um, but yeah, that was a very quick turnaround of Danny tells her that he has the idol. He tells, she tells, um, it, it was both Carolyn and Jam Jam, right? Or was it just mm -hmm. Jam Jam? I believe it was both of them. It was both of them. So yeah, that seemed like a very quick turnaround. Like I said, very happy how it turned out. I'm, I'm more than okay with, you know, what happened, but that was a very risky decision. I think that, that, that Heidi made. It was risky. And although it didn't come back to have any bad repercussions, this episode at this tribal, Danny is mad when he finds out he talks to Carson and says something along the lines of like, Jam Jam doesn't know the plan. And Carson says, well, actually he does. And it comes out that Heidi told them, and Danny is rightfully upset. If I were Danny, I would be very upset. And I would also be very hesitant to go along with the plan to try and get rid of Brandon 
and protect Franny because I would be concerned that that information has leaked and they've come up with some counter plan, which at that point, I don't think anyone was aware of any other idols that were in play. Well, legitimate idols, but it would have been funny to see Jamie try and play her fake idol, but I would have been nervous if I was Danny after that. Yeah, I I definitely would have been nervous, but, uh, you know, good on him for 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 reading the situation correctly. I also want to talk about Carson really quickly. Uh, Have we noticed that Carson is always the one to be like, this is this information. Oh, oh, my God. You didn't know about that. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, I thought that was like widely known information. Every time, every time it's Carson with the like not actually loose lips because I'm pretty sure he's very, he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows exactly what he's telling to people. Um, but pretends like, uh, you know, he tells Danny, Oh, I thought, I thought that you knew that they all knew. Or when he talked to, was it Brandon when Brandon brought up somebody's name at some immunity or the sanctuary, I think. And Carson goes back to him and he was like, Oh, I thought, I thought Mm -hmm. they, they knew that his, their name got brought up every time and it's very interesting because he's i really don't think that he's doing this like flagrantly you know what i mean i think he's doing it very specifically i think he's he's very tact not tactful but purposeful when he does this uh and i just wanted to talk about i think it's good socially but i also think it's a great strategic plan because you can kind of get the information out there that you want people to know um, but in a way that kind of downplays your threat. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree completely. I think this is very good maximization of knowledge from Carson. I think out of everyone, all the three people who were swapped, I think Carson has done the best with mm-hmm. that. I think he has integrated himself with Ratu very well to the point where they see him, Brandon at least, from what we heard, sees him as just tacked on to Ratu. Yep. So Carson has integrated himself very well. He's in all of the knowledge without people knowing that he's in all of the knowledge. I think people are starting to sense that probably, but he still has a good grasp on everything that's going on. I think he's in the center of a lot of good information, and I think that's going to bode well for him for the rest of the game. So very impressed at the way he handles these situations. So big props to you, Carson. Absolutely. I also, this is kind of a tangent and I, I just want to make, I want to say it before I forget. Did you notice when we're talking about Ratu, when Kane was talking about like wanting to essentially Pagong um, Soka, um, his name on the bottom, it said the Chiron. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, wasn't that wild? That is wild. And I know nerds are nerds. And as a nerd, I know we're just so similar but (laughs) that is not the case not all nerds are the same and I just yeah I I felt a little bit but it was cute because it was like Matt's still with us sort of yeah yeah I thought I saw that and I was I thought that I misremembered it and then I saw it I think it was David Bloomberg posted a TikTok about it and was like oh no that actually happened lol imagine being the only the only Canadian and also being the one who they mix up your name. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just that, just that guy. I feel Aww. for you, Kane. My sloppy Sasquatch friend. I've got a lot of love for you, Kane. And I um, think so. Kane's great. I, maybe I should change my name to Kane just for you. 
at the bottom <laughs> if we're going with just oh, message. So, <laughs> so <laughs> flash forward to tribal. The first thing that stands out to me is that Matt is on the jury and Franny and him are smiling at each other so hard. And it just seems like they just, it looked like a loved one's visit, actually. It looks, it looked like they were about to just run and embrace and have this beautiful, sweet moment. And it had literally only just been a few days since they had seen each other. And I love that. It was so cute. It made my heart, it made my heart feel warm. That was so happy. I was just smiling a lot. They both looked so happy. Oh, it was so cute. They're so cute. It hurts. Yeah, they are so cute. And I don't want Franny to not make it to the end. I would love to see Franny make it to the end. But I also feel like if if they were at Ponderosa together, then they would probably be very happy if they had to be there together. You know what I mean? I think that would be, you know, not the worst thing to happen. A good consolation prize. Definitely. And so, yes, like I mentioned earlier, Carolyn slyly mentions that Lauren and Danny were at odds with each other. And I just think, again, that's a smart way not only to cement that narrative to everybody, but also for the jury. Because if you want to plant things in the jury's mind, tribal is the place to do it because it's not hearsay. They're hearing it straight from your own mouth. So I think it's really smart. And I hope to see Carolyn continue to do this and other people continue to do this where they drop those little hints, they build a narrative because I think it can be a huge mistake to just reveal your entire strategy to people at final tribal because people will say, hey, did you just come up with that? Do I really believe this? This isn't what I saw for these X number of days prior to this. So if you can show them that narrative on the jury from the moment that the jury starts and continue to do it, I think you will build an even stronger case for yourself when you're at final tribal. Absolutely. You have to do it in a way that's kind of toned down. Um, I mean, I talk about it. I talk talk about this a lot uh, on my TikTok or, or whatever. I think Natalie Anderson's idol play is one of the best idol plays ever, ever um, for Jacqueline back in San Juan del Sur. Uh, Specifically because what I talk about is tribal council is theater uh, and the jury is your audience. And so you have to make make it a moment, make everything a moment. And what I think Natalie did so beautifully is she kept her idol a secret. You know, she didn't tell Jacqueline she was going to play it for her. Um, she asked, hey, did you do the thing that I told you to do? Um, uh, Jacqueline says yes. She then plays the idol for Jacqueline. She, he was, I mean, uh, Natalie's lucky because her Jacqueline's husband is on the jury. So he's happy. It ends up working and saving Jacqueline. Jacqueline had no idea that any of this was happening. So she looks shocked, confused, and then grateful. Um, and the jury sees all of this. They, 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 they see and hear all of this. And so, you know, it shows that Natalie knew where the votes were going, but it also was done so perfectly that it also showed that she had control over Jacqueline and to vote where she wanted her to vote. Um, and so I'm saying all of this because you have to do it. And obviously that was like near the end. So it didn't, you know, you can do bigger things near the end early on, like, you got to plant the seeds. Like you said, you plant the seeds in the jury's mind that you know what's going on, that you hear and see everything. You, it's not just analogies that happen at tribal council. You know, you also want to talk about everything that's going on as much as you can at tribal council or at um, the camp. And so I think Carolyn did an amazing job, but I also want to say, I think Danny 
did a great job too, because I think, well, he did an okay job. He could have been more theatrical about it because in this sense, the only person on the jury, he's saving Franny. He's saving the only person on the jury's number one ally. He could have done a little bit more in like theatrics and not being like dramatic about it, but like, you know, being like, have a little speech, you know, I, wanted to do, you know, I, I want to make sure that my tribe stays strong. And I really feel like the votes are going to go this way this one time. Franny's a really big ally for me. And I want to make sure that she stays in the game. So while I want to play this for myself, you know, I really think that Franny's the one that needs it tonight. So Franny, I'm going to play this for you. Uh, instead of just going up and kind of giving it to Jeff and throwing it at Jeff and being like, it's for Franny. You know, he could have made it a little bit more of a moment. I'm not saying that it needed to be because there's only one person on the jury, but like, you know, you have the ability to do something like that to kind of claim your space and claim the time. Um, is it too early to do that? It might be too early to do that. Honestly, with like this many people in the game, it might cause too big of a, a target on your back. But I always think that's something you should think about when you're, when you're doing a move like that is like, how can I make sure that it's a moment, whether yeah. it needs to be huge or it needs to be like smaller I think you you don't want to downplay something all the time, personally. I agree. I agree. It's not just what you do, it's how you do it. And maybe that's just not the way that Danny wants to roll for now. That's not how he wants to somersault for now. But I do expect, yeah, some theatrics. I say go big. Get a smoke machine. I expect pyrotechnics. <laughs> I expect all the bells and whistles when you're going to do something flashy like that. Maybe... Danny is hesitant because it is so early into the merge that he doesn't want to make his target even bigger because obviously this is going to make his target pretty big. But mm -hmm. I guess I could justify this at this point in the game because he doesn't want to make himself a target even bigger than he probably already is. So I personally am okay with the way he went about doing it, but I'm also just a greedy viewer and I would, like I said, would enjoy a smoke bomb or some pyrotechnics. So um, I think that should be in everyone's bag at the beginning of every season, personally. Yeah, it's just something that I think that everyone should think about. I saw somebody in the comments uh, on my TikTok live and they said improv, uh, improv lessons as prep for Survivor. Like absolutely, this is like not even a joke. Like seriously, anyone who's planning on going on Survivor at some point, you should take improv lessons. Erica actually talked about this after she won in 41. She talked about how she did and, and she took improv classes because she wanted to be able to think on the spot, say yes when she needed to, which you have to say yes all the time in Survivor. And so she's she's talked about it. And I, that's something that I've always thought is just helpful in life. Improv is, is helpful in life to be able to roll with the punches and, you know, whatever it is. Um, but de most definitely improv classes for Survivor, absolutely every time. That is a great recommendation. Survivor is a game of yes and because when it comes to someone looking in your face and asking if you want to be a part of their alliance or asking something, you have to go with the person you're talking to. Unless it's like a very obvious, you're never going to work together. Being able to yes and your way out of a lot of situations and into a lot of situations, I think is integral. So absolutely. And Yes, and the rest of this vote ends up <laughs> shaking out that, yes, Danny does play his idol and cancels slash negates six votes. So the four that did vote for Brandon, who is ousted, are Carolyn, Danny, Franny, 
and Heidi, they all voted for Brandon. And do you think that the reason why the other two Tika members, Carson and Jam Jam, did not vote with them was to save face? Or do you think they were hesitant? What do you think? Oh, no, I think it's to save face 100%. I think that they did it to continue to play the middle. I think that that is what they were planning on doing. I think, you know, I think that they decided that the, the th- what are they calling themselves? The three musketeers or the, the three stooges. Three stooges. That's what they're calling themselves. Um, I think they sat down and talked about it. And I think, cause I think that they're making all of these decisions together. I think they're a very, very close allyship or whatever that's called. What's it called? A- An alliance. Oh, thank you. Alliance. Oh my God. I was just blanking. Um, one of the most important things on Survivor, can't think of the name. Um, <clears throat> no, but I think that they are the closest alliance right now on the beach. And so I think they sat down and were like, hey, this is what I think we should do. I think two of us should do this. And I think one of us should do this. Who should do what? And I, I honestly think that that's because I don't think that Carolyn is going within a vote and just throwing her vote somewhere. I think that she is thinking about what she is doing as every step of the way there is a reason that she does almost everything i think and so uh a game reason like a reason for her to get to the end and so i think that they literally sat down in the dead of night and like we're like who what are we gonna do and then that's how they decided because i don't think that they're just gonna be willy-nilly throwing their votes around they're three very smart people i completely agree it was definitely calculated and unfortunately, with that, Brandon is the next person to join the jury. And I'm sure that messes up a lot of people's survivor brackets because he is, you know, a strong player. And a lot of people predicted that he would go very far. And unfortunately, that is that. But I still expect that Brandon will give us good reactions to things. And like I said, sorry for everyone's brackets. But speaking of brackets, Next up is an ad from Bracketology. We will be right back. And when we get back, it will be award season. So put on your your best outfits. We will see you very soon. My name is Jonah Fielko, and I'm the CEO of Bracketology.tv, fantasy sports for reality television. We offer fantasy games for shows like The Bachelor, Survivor, Big Brother, RuPaul's Drag Race, and Counting. You start by creating a community. Within your community, you can create a fantasy league for each show that you want to play fantasy games for. Within the league, you can choose up to three of our four game types, and our most popular is the Advanced League. Choose a team of contestants, and depending on what they do and say during the episode, that's how your team will gain or lose points each week. We also have elimination-style games, like our confidence pool. This is where you choose how confident you are that each contestant will survive elimination that week. And we've also got March Madness-style brackets. Come back a couple hours after the episode to check your scores and watch you climb the leaderboard. Bracketology is free to play, so grab your friends, your family, your coworkers, and head to Bracketology.tv for more info. And we're back. And Tegwith, I don't know if you noticed this on the Bracketology ad, but I think about like six or seven people in a row had Brandon in that ad. So this is a sad day for those people. My heart goes out to you. I hope that, that is second- so funny. I didn't notice that. That is hysterical. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you all. Wow. Seriously. Brutal. Brutal. But- 
Time to cheer up though, because it is award season. At this point of the show, we are going to award the Social Butterfly Award for the individual that we feel played the best socially this week. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, we are going to also award the Driver of the Survivor Social Struggle Bus Award. What a mouthful. So on the positive side of the spectrum, who for you, Tegwith, really stood out as a paragon of social play? Um, I definitely, oh, this is a really hard one. I've been thinking about this uh, a lot and I don't, I honestly don't know what the best thing to do here is because I think, you know, I'm thinking Jam Jam a little bit again because he, he does have the connections to kind of like, um, people will tell him things. He's kind of in on both sides. He's all, you know what I mean? Like he's in all of this. Um, I also think was also thinking maybe this is me like taking through my process. I was also thinking Carolyn, because I think there was a big social thing to take it Carson in and kind of know that she wasn't going to win immunity because she, or in that moment, because she took in Carson. But then I also really think Carson was playing a great game because, or a great social game this week, because Carson was an automatic rat to vote in their mind. Right. And that I think shows that he is in with Ratu, um, but he is open to other things. And the, the, the three stooges, I think are the ones that are taking over the game. They're, they're the ones that are really digging their claws in and, and, and taking over. And so with all of those things in my head, I, I think I'm going to have to go Carson this week um, because I think, you know, he knows how to really be in with people, but then also be like, oh, but I heard this from this. Oh, oh, did you not know that? You know what I mean? He's he's able to do all of these things socially, but also with a strategic base. Um, oops, sorry. Um, so that's who I'm going to go with. I completely agree. Carson was my first choice as well because he ducks and weaves very well like you said he is very much a number in the mind of Ratu he is able to talk with the three stooges but not make it look like they are thickest thieves which I think people know that they are but I I don't think that I think he spends time talking to everyone and it seems like he's good with most people and I think that that is very impressive at this point in the game when there's a massive war going on between Soka and Ratu and Jam Jam previously had some heat on him and Carolyn really isn't taking it seriously so I'm sure that some people wouldn't be would be more hesitant to tell her things so of the three of them who I agree are dominating the game Carson is definitely in the lead so congratulations Carson you have received the social butterfly award for episode eight of season 44 and now on the opposite end of the spectrum who do you think Tegwith is the most eligible for the driver of the social struggle bus award? So personally, I think that there, this is a very hard one um, for me because this is when it kind of gets this point in the game. No one's making big social blunders really as much anymore. Um, I think everyone's kind of playing a pretty good game. They have their social, they have their, their group that they're with. They have all of that. So it's kind of hard to, to, to tell who this week is the one that is struggling the most. Um, my first thought would, would have been Heidi. You know, I think she had that moment with Jam Jam that I thought was a little lacking. Um, she then told all of these people about Danny's idol. But she was also able to 
her and Danny were able to figure out a way to keep their alliance together. And, and I think that that is a good thing. I do think that there might be some struggling later on um, from, because of what Heidi did, but it, it would also be hard for me not to just, I, I don't know. I, I was also thinking maybe Kane, uh, but Kane is also really close with Carson. And I think I don't, this is a very hard one for me. Um, but I think I'm going to go with my first instinct. I think I'm going to say Heidi. Yeah, Heidi was my first instinct as well. And Heidi, let me say, I adore you. I think that if I was on Survivor, you would be probably my number one choice for an alliance uh, out of this cast. Um, you're wonderful. So if I decide to also nominate you for this for the second week, please know there's so much love in my heart for you. Anyway, um, I would honestly say that Kane also, like you said, was someone that I was thinking really isn't being as active as he could be. He just has this mentality of like, well, we're going to pagong them and knock them all out. And he didn't really show any, and it could just be the way that it was edited. But from what we saw, it did not appear to me that Kane was really considering his other options. And he just seemed so comfortable in the group that he was in. Whereas Heidi was thinking like, we got to make a move. We got to be the underdogs. We got to do something. We got to shake it up. And even though he, she was the one to tell people about Danny's idol, it was with the intent of yeah. wanting to, you know, do something. And and I don't know. It seemed it seemed like it seemed like she was more active. And so I appreciate the fact that she was more active and strategic yeah. and wanting to make a move. Whereas I feel like Kane really wasn't. So. I think I'm going to go back on my initial reaction and I'm going to have to give this week's award to Kane, which Kane, you know, I love you. So there's, there's, there's no shadiness here. Okay. So two recipients of the driver of the social struggle best award and one for the, the social butterfly, but everyone is a winner in my heart. And that sounds super cheesy and new age survivory, but that is genuinely how I feel. And now I think it's time if you're ready to answer some extra questions that we have received from TikTok, would you like to get us started with those? Sure thing. So we got a couple of uh, questions from the TikTok live over here. Um, so I we have the first one that I saw was from um, the person's name is ADHD Well Black. Uh, and they're asking, who are our top three favorite past players? I know. This is a big question. This is a really big question. Um, Are we coming at this from strictly a gameplay or just a personal preference? How are you going to answer this? That's a great, that's a great question. So let's say, let's go strictly gameplay. Um, I think that makes it a little bit easier because I, I, I love everyone. Like I love every, there would be, it would be too many options. Um, if, if it were personal preference, I'm going to start off with just one person, uh, first, and this might be too basic of an answer, but she won twice for a reason. I do. I love Sandra. I think that she, you know, why she won, it doesn't really matter if you win, you win. And it's very impressive if you do. She, I think knows the game as well or better than anybody. Um, 
And she raised a daughter who also knows the game really well and also plays really well, in my opinion, too. So I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go first for me, Sandra. That, you can't go wrong with the queen. Let's no. be honest. You know, no. I think, I think some people come and go in terms of popularity for Survivor, but I genuinely think that Sandra will forever be yeah. one of the greats because that's just the way that it is. I yeah. think we talked a lot about Guatemala throughout this podcast and I would have to say Rafe Judkins. I see right. a lot of myself in Rafe's gameplay. He's an emotional person. I'm a very emotional person. I think my gameplay would be similar to his. I think he was so smart in the way that he was able to grab Stephanie and drag her through a lot of places where she shouldn't have been dragged because she had a bad attitude. She was a bad sport in a lot of ways during Guatemala, but Rafe was, you know, the knight in shining armor in a sense. And he was smiling. He was kind. People wanted to talk to him. He made inroads with lots of people. So definitely Rafe as well. Rafe's a good one. Uh, I'm also going to have to, uh, you know, Suri is definitely one of my faves. I think if it had been a final three in uh, fan versus favorites, she would have won. Um, if you've watched her on the traders, like this, this woman knows how to play a game. Uh, she knows what she's doing. And um, I think that she is essentially teaches the masterclass and how to manipulate, how to get people to like you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, she has everything she is the whole package and the fact yeah. that she hasn't won yet is a crime. Um, but you know, I, she's just great television and so amazing. So I definitely have to go with Suri for one. <clears throat> I agree. Suri will be my second choice as well for all the reasons that you've stated. She just has yeah. such a special place in my heart and I just can't say enough good things about her. And what about your last pick? Oh, the last pick is a hard one because it's like, do I go Tony? Because I do love Tony's gameplay. He is a good gameplay. He's won twice. Um, <clears throat> and if I don't go Tony, I know that I'm going to hear about it later. But I also like think that there are a lot of really amazing game players who have only played once or who haven't won, who just like was unlucky. Like, I don't know. Taj, I think, is so amazing. Um, and she will, you know, we'll never see her again on Survivor. She said that, you know, quite a bit. Um, but I think that she's, she's really good at the game <clears throat> and made it really far. And if it hadn't been for that really close alliance of JT and Steven, like I, or if it had been maybe a final three, whatever it is, I think that we could have seen her. I don't know, take it. Uh, I, I, I love, I love Taj. I love token chains in general. I love that season. Um, so I might have to go Taj for my my third. That is a great pick, Taj. I, I saw an ad for a show that she's she's on now, which she's been oh. in a lot of reality shows since. And I have, or some reality shows since, I don't know the number, but I just saw her in one. And I was just so happy to see her again on my screen. I love her. Oh. I think for my last pick, I'm going to go with David Wright. Because oh, good. I... Right? What a great person, first of all, in general. And which, fun fact, he is, his Instagram handle is the real Dave Wright, but he is the fake Dave Wright now because his um, blue verified check mark is no longer there anymore. So um, fake Dave Wright. Anyway, um, I believe that the fake Dave Wright would be my number three, not in any particular order, might I add. 
just because I think that he growed so much. And I think about how with my anxiety and my just nervous behavior in general, anxiety aside, I would probably struggle with assimilating and getting the ball rolling. And I would hope to blossom in the way that he did. So very aspirational, quite a big fan. And do we have another question from TikTok? We did. It was from the same person. um, And they asked, who who are our final three predictions at this stage for 44? Well, my knee-jerk reaction is just to say all the Tika people. (laughs) But I think that I see, I see Jam Jam there. I see Carolyn there, but I do not see Carson. Interesting. I actually see Franny there instead. Yeah, I see. I am the op- a little different. I see Carolyn there. I see Carson there, and I see Franny there. I don't see Jam Jam there. Um, part of me thinks that Jam Jam maybe loses fire. Uh, like makes it to very near the end, but loses fire. But I, I think, uh, I, I think it will be dominated by Tika. And I definitely, I have a, I have a gut feeling that Franny wins. Like I have, this happens like once a season and I've been right two out of the three times that I've done this. Like my gut right around the merge, my gut was that Mary or my gut was that, um, Erica was going to win. My gut was that Marianne was going to win, uh, two times. And then my gut was that, uh, what's her name was going to win in, what is her name? Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy. I, my gut was that. And then she obviously didn't. So gut's not always right. But um, but that was my uh, – so I, I, I feel like Brandy might take the season. So It, it could have just been gas for season 43. That's what we'll just attribute <laughs> your, your gut's feeling to. But it's no, it's no gas this time. The gas nope. is only coming from Danny, okay? Only coming no from gas. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, man. All right. Well, we did get one other. Um, oh, we also said somebody thinks Carson gets out by fire. So that is similar to what we were both saying. Um, one, We have one last question on the TikTok. On the TikTok. That's really uh, dating me. Um, and it was, where would, do you think that Survivor will go back to different locations? Uh, or do you think they're going to stick it out in Fiji for, for a while? I think unless we have another global pandemic that will restrict us to the United States, then I do not think that we are ever leaving Fiji. I think that the Fijian government has such a good rapport with Survivor. I think it has provided a lot of of jobs for people who are local to Fiji. And unfortunately, from an ecosystem perspective, I think that this is definitely putting a stress on these filming locations from an ecologist point of view, as I am ecologist, David, I can't ignore those things. And unfortunately, despite the things that it's doing to the environment, I do think that they're going to stay in Fiji. I don't think that, like I said, unless there's another pandemic, knock on wood, um, that we're ever going to leave. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that the deal is too good for both Fiji and for Survivor. There's there's not really much else that I think they can, you know, do. I think in a perfect world, there would be a themed Fiji season. Because, you know, they do they do two back-to-back, right? So they do, they're doing 45 and 46 back-to-back. I think in a perfect world, there's a, a, a themed Fiji season. So something like David versus Goliath or whatever it is. Um, and then they do a location after that. So like, they're still one in Fiji every year, but it's not the entire time. And then they go to a different location 
that's not going to happen. Like there's no way that that's going to happen. It's way too expensive for the survivor production. It's too expensive for CBS with ratings down right now, which they are. Um, they want to save some money. You know what I mean? So it's not going to happen, but I would love for it to not be in Fiji. I would love for it to go back to like Africa, have a different, like not a beach thing. Like we talked about how much Guatemala was an interesting location. Like there are ways to kind of change it up a little bit. Um, we have, we still, we have two more questions that I have on TikTok. Do you want to do, want to do the two, two that we have left or do you want to just. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go on to those questions though, I just wanted to add, I would even be okay if there was just one season filmed in a cycle and it was just in another country. If that means that you have to group pool that money, combine the money from the two seasons into one in order to do that. I would personally be okay with that because I want to see the grandeur. I want to see the way that the culture is integrated into the challenges. I think that's some of the most memorable things about Survivor. And there's no way you can forget some of the beginning seasons and and you don't have a hard time distinguishing them because they are so distinct and unique because of their location. So I think that's also part of the reason why people don't even know like what's going on in this season. They all bleed together. And unfortunately I think the location is part of that, but I don't know if that could be tied to Jeff's perspective, which if you've heard recently, he said something along the lines of, I want this show to be seen through the eyes of, of children or something about being catered to a child's point of view, which shake my head. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep up with all the advantages and idols because I literally have to physically take notes on like who has what, what's going on now. If I was a child at 24 years old, I feel unequipped to be able to handle all the intricacies of the current state of survivor. Literally. And also, let me just say, I saw that he said that, which is the biggest, I, I can't eye roll more uh, by for that statement, let me just say. Um, but I also want to say, like, you know what would make it, would make the kids like it a little bit more? A theme of different place, something, something to catch their attention. Like, you know what I mean? The fact, I think the fact yeah. that these seasons are kind of like grouping together, kind of like you, you getting confused with all of them is because they are 41, 42, 43, and 44. Like they have no distinguishing factors. You go back to the 30s. And I'm not saying we have to do weird things like heroes, healers, hustlers. I'm not saying that we need to do that. But like, you know, heroes, healers, hustlers, brains versus beauty versus brawn. And then you have like, you know, second chances, ghost island versus Goliath. Like you have all of these. And I can tell, I know who is on what season. I know who is associated with this. I know who is associated with this. You have all of that. But 41, 42, 43, and 44. Like, honestly, the other day, I was like, Xander was on 40, and I couldn't remember. Like, like he was on 41. I, I, I figured it out at some point. But it's just like, they're all kind of mushing together in one kind of large season. Um, I do think that 44 is the best out of all four of them so far, personally, um, mainly because even though there's a lot going on, I think they're focusing a little bit more on the interpersonal relationships and less on the like trips that they're going on and all of this stuff. And I think they're doing a little bit better with the editing on that. Um, but yeah, it's getting overwhelming and it's not just because they're only in fiji they could do they could do other things to break it up personally they could absolutely and 
kids love a theme for sure because think about it who was the young person's favorite survivor in the early part of survivor rupert because he's a pirate on a pirate themed season what Mm -hmm. is more strongly themed than that nothing and rupert mania was huge so i think they're actually doing themselves a disservice by not having iconic strong themes and players that maybe fit into or oppose these themes Mm -hmm. to sort of put them in not a box but it's easier to memorize and digest when you you think pearl islands rupert those two things will forever be linked and i think that is part of the reason that season is so successful but i digress we've got some more questions to to talk about so we got another question from, I believe their their name is Pico DeGeo, um, which is, if you were cast on the show, how would you portray yourself at the beginning of the game? I think it's a great question. Do you, how, um, if you were cast on the show, how would you portray yourself? That is a really good question. And I, and I think about this all the time, not necessarily at the beginning of the game, but just in general. And I'm going to be honest I don't know. And I, I'm not trying to say that as a cop-out answer, but I just want to, I think the best way to experience something as life-changing as being on Survivor is to not put any expectation and meet the situation where you are. So wherever I am at that moment, I'm going to be as authentic as possible. If that means I am Carolyn levels of open and and expressive, then so be it, because I do have that in me. But if I am a little bit more reserved and calculating, then so be it. So I guess we'll see. What about you? I think, well, here's the thing. I think when people go into Survivor wanting to be somebody else, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. You can't pretend 24-7. You can probably pretend eight hours a day when you're at work, but you, you, you are with these people 24 seven, every single day, there's no hiding who you actually are. You are, you know, starved, you're tired, you're hungry, you're everything. Um, so if you are having trouble hiding something uh, of your, about yourself, like eight hours a day at work, when you've had a full stomach of food and you're like, you're, you're in your normal, in your normal life, sleeping in your bed, there's no way that you're going to be able to hide that when you're out on a beach. Right. So how I, how I would approach it is just, and this is the most cop out answer of all, like a hundred percent be myself. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to keep up a lie. Like I wouldn't be able to be like Tony and lie about my job. Like I talk about my job. Like I talk about my day-to-day life. Uh, and so I would approach the game by being 100% authentically myself, which I've been told by many people can be a lot when you first meet me. Cause I'm kind of loud. I'm kind of kind of a little wild, a little crazy. Um, Apparently gassy as well, but I can relate. Very gassy, super, which probably you wouldn't see on Survivor because I'm not eating any food. Um, so that's how I would approach it. I, I also, you know, I'm, I, I am an extrovert, so I would be able to go and like talk to people and be feel very comfortable with all that. Um, but I, I would not be able to hide anything about myself because I can't, I can't do it in eight hours at work. I've tried, I've tried, I, 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 you know, it's just not in me. Um, so I blurred everything out. So that's it's not, not, it's not in many people. So yeah, I, it's yeah. better to not put that pressure and expectation on yourself. Unless you are Brian, Brian Heideck, it is not happening. And no. genuinely, how many people have we had on Survivor at this point? 
a lot. Okay. And if only, and if only one person out of all of those people was genuinely able to shut off their emotions and mask it that well, odds are we aren't going to be able to do it either. So it's better to not even have that expectation. I agree. Uh, we have another question. Well, we have one that's a very easy uh, question and answer. One asks, uh, somebody asked, Anthony Malvalsi asks, is Matt and, are Matt and Franny still dating after Survivor? And that answer is easy. And that answer is yes. They definitely are still dating. Um, they're very cute together. I maybe saw them at a, at a thing the other day. Um, very cute. We love them. But there is another question. They asked, so Ron River Area? I don't know what the where the distinction of name is. Ron asks, when do you think another All-Stars type season will happen? Mm-hmm. Well, Ron, you're asking the wrong guy, unfortunately. I yeah. do not have my finger on the pulse of those, those types of spoilers or any spoilers. I try and stay as far away as possible, especially while we're discussing and, and dissecting Survivor Social. So unfortunately, I don't know. I have heard from other people that maybe season 46, but I don't even think that that is, there's any credence to that, to be honest. Yeah, I think that, I, I will say, I think that one should, is coming. I, I think that it might not be all stars. It might not be whatever, but I do think a returning season is coming just because if, if you look at how, view, like viewing, viewership is going down and one big way for people to watch the show is to have returning characters that they like back on their screen. Uh, It makes it a little bit easier to not have to learn people's names. You know, you don't have to be invested in these new people. You can be like, I like this person. I know I like this person. uh, And so I'll watch. So I think, uh, I do think I see something coming in the next two, at least no more than three seasons. I think we'll see at least a big returning season. Um, Do we have time for one more question? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Great. Um, Okay, so this is from Anthony again. If you... Wait. Hold on. Anthony, I'll do yours. We got two, actually. Um, We have one... Another... uh, Somebody says, what do you think about Carson practicing all the puzzles? Personally, I can't blame him. I feel like if I had the ability to 3D print these puzzles... I would absolutely be doing that in preparation. I am someone who likes to over-prepare for things, take notes. That's just who I am. So as someone who would like to be on Survivor, I completely love that he did that. Do I think that it's sort of crappy on Survivor's end to not mix the challenges up more and make it more unexpected? Yes. So I can't blame him, but I don't love the fact that these challenges are the same. Yeah, I think, you know, it's not on him that he, you know, it's on it's on production, right? Um, I think if you are prepared in this way, then good on you. Like Evie, for example, they memorized a puzzle and it ended up working in their favor. Um, and, you know, they got the puzzle done in literally, I think it was like six seconds or something. Um, and so, you know, if, if Survivor's going to reward that, then might as well memorize everything. You know what I mean? Um, so... I think that's on survivor and not on Carson. I think that like, if you want to be on survivor, I have a puzzle right over there, literally in my room, right over there that I could, that I have, I work on every once in a while to make sure that I know how to do it. So, you know, 
Um, okay, we have one other question again from Anthony. Uh, if you both had a chance to play Survivor, how good do you think we would both do? How do you think you would do if you went on Survivor? Oh, I win. Yeah, I, I I'm think... not. I'm not doing it if I'm not winning, and I'm going balls to the wall every time. I think you have a very good chance as well, Tegway. Yeah, I think here's the thing. I think if you go on Survivor, if you if you go on Survivor thinking that you're not going to win, then I don't think that you're going to play Survivor fully, right? You have to go in thinking that you're going to win. I do have an ongoing joke, though, that I'm going to be the third person voted out because it's everyone, like all the people that I see myself as on Survivor get voted out at least third, if not earlier. So, for example, Maddie this season, first person voted out. Um, Claire, third person-ish voted out. Um and then I've talked about Chelsea all the time and Sarah. So all of these people that I see myself as get voted out third. But like, like, I think I would win. Like, you know what I mean? Like people, you're not going to go on Survivor thinking that you're not going to win. Because then why are you on Survivor? I completely agree. And I think it ties into what Todd was saying last week that he was so cocky the entire time. And maybe I wouldn't want to express that to other people. But like you said, you have to go in believing in yourself as Butch Lockley had on his huge banner in Survivor Amazon, you have to believe in yourself. If not, you're wasting your own time and you just gotta, you just gotta do it. So yeah, we're both gonna win Survivor. Exactly. You don't have to be like, like, I mean, super cocky about it, but you, you, I mean, you can, and you know, it works for some people. It works for Todd. You know what I mean? So you can believe in yourself and, and, and be able to be open to new things and not be like stuck in one lane. Um, I think that, you know, you, you have to at least believe in some way, shape or form that you will win or else why take a month out of your life to do this, you know? Absolutely. It's a huge commitment. It is. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us for Survivor Social. We are so glad to have you and make sure to subscribe on here on YouTube as well as Spotify. And if you have any questions for us, again, please shoot us a message at SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com and we will answer them here. There's going to be so much more shenanigans. I I can already feel it. It's palpable. All the shenanigans that are going to go on in the next episode. So we can't wait to break it down with you. Thank you so much. I am David. I'm joined by Tegwith. Any last words, Tegwith, before we sign off? Uh, No, I'm just super excited about the next episode. Excited to talk about it with you all here. Um, And yeah, can't wait. Uh, can't wait. Also, if anybody ever, you know, has any questions, um, email Survivor Social Pod. Also, um, I, I post on TikTok and I read, as you've heard, I read a lot of TikTok questions here. So follow me on TikTok at Survivor underscore simulation. Uh, I would love to talk Survivor with you all the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.